What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast brought to you by SorrySports.com. As always, it is our Monday Rundown podcast. Just a little bit of housekeeping first. I went on the Cody Wagner show. I tweeted out the link to the podcast, so go and give that one a listen. We went for about 45 minutes talking about all things sports, of course. On this podcast, Sean and I jumped right in. We talked about the World Series. Unfortunately, the Red Sox won, and Boston is... Looking like the 21st century title town, which is miserable. Um, Then we jumped into an analytics baseball talk, a little bit different than what you initially think it's going to be, but I think Sean had a ton of good points and he made a hell of a lot of sense. Then we went into college football, we recapped this past week, and we previewed next week. Biggest game in college football of the entire season this week coming up, and I think for a guy who hates college football, I think this one's going to be a lot of fun. Finally, we jumped into the NBA. We talked about some things that stuck out to us, talked about our favorite teams, of course, and then we talked about, yeah, yeah, you guessed it, Jimmy Butler. Give us a follow on Twitter at SorrySports. Follow us on Instagram, Sorry underscore sports. Give us an email, SorrySports at Yahoo, and check out the website, SorrySports.com, and give Cody Wagner's podcast a follow. Uh, We went for about 45 minutes, and enjoy the pod. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Sorry to Interrupt. It's our Monday rundown here on the last Monday of October. Uh, Before we get into what we're going to talk about for this Monday rundown, I want to leave it up to Tom to just clear up a little bit from our Wednesday NFL podcast last week regarding my New York Giants. Tom, the floor is yours, sir. So I know everybody's probably sick and tired of us talking about Eli Manning, but I listened to that pod again today, um, and, and Sean had pointed this out to me and said that a friend of his had pointed it out as well. And I just wanted to clear this up, and I usually don't do this because when you, when you make a take and you put something out in the world, usually it's like, whatever, I was wrong or whatever, I sounded dumb. I'm going to have a million other takes where 50-50 chance I either sound really right or I sound really wrong. But this one, I think I was right. I just don't think it, it came out the right way. So basically last week on the podcast, I said that I think Eli Manning is the biggest and the only reason why the Giants are are losing. And my logic for that, basically what I wasn't saying, although Eli does suck and you're off the bandwagon and you admitted that, I don't think Eli is the reason why the Giants are losing every single game on a play-to-play basis. My logic for saying that, and I don't think I explained it well enough, was basically that I don't think I think Eli is the reason why the Giants are losing games and why they have this false hope that they're going to continue to win. And I think Eli is the reason why the Giants spent all the money on those stupid ass signings and went after Shaquan Barkley and yet the Giants are still continuing to lose and why they're going to continue to lose because had they not had Eli Manning, a two-time Super Bowl champion, they probably would have rebuilt a year ago. And, and we would be in a completely different situation. You'd be looking at your quarterback of the future, and they would be leading towards what the Jets have, what the Cleveland Browns have, et cetera, et cetera. And that's pretty much what I meant. And, and Sean pointed it out to me that it didn't really sound like that. And I'm in agreement with him where I don't really think it sounded like that. I think I was basically putting all the blame on Eli. And that's not at all. The talent level on this team is the reason why this team sucks. They really don't have any good players at all. But... My logic and my, my the way I was trying to say was basically that I felt that this team was a loser overall because they continued to believe in Eli Manning for two years too long. 
Yeah, and, and and I know you're a smarter football guy than that, and everybody who listens Very to our smart. <laughs> everybody that listens to our podcast, who we greatly appreciate your your feedback, your takes, and your listens. Uh, continue to get the word out there. Thank you. Knows that you you know you definitely meant something different. Uh, definitely, I just had to clear the, it up. Yeah, no, and that's cool. I mean, listen, the last, yesterday's game when we talk about it on Wednesday and give you our full week eight NFL rundown. It's going to be the same thing, right? I mean, you you watch this game, and he does he have flaws? Of course he does. But to anybody that watches a fo- football game and says he's the only reason they're losing, totally totally d- misses the boat. And I know that's not you. You know your stuff. So thanks for clearing that up, man. And and to all our listeners, you know we're going to give you the absolute best every time. And if we do make a mistake or we best. we feel that we don't articulate ourselves necessarily the way we want to, listen, we're in, we're doing sports talk. Everybody does sports talk from the most top end professionals yeah. they make mistakes too and i'm sure they wish they have rebuttals and we're going to go back and do that but i just didn't the reason why i wanted to clear this one up and i've gotten a million things wrong i'm no uh, by no means perfect and, and nobody in you. this business is of course <laughs> come on man um the only reason why i wanted to clear it up was because i don't think i'm wrong i just it came out wrong yeah and, and i just wanted to state my point and basically i'm i'm not as stupid as as i sounded Although I am stupid. I was just going to say, I, I might disagree on that, but in this particular case, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. All anyway, right. guys, let's get to our Monday rundown. The first thing I want to say is this. So I went on a podcast yesterday. I tweeted out the link. I'm probably going to talk about it in the open. Um, Cody Wagner podcast. You can find it on iTunes. Just write in the Cody Wagner podcast or go to our Twitter at Sorry Sports, and I put the link up there. Great guy. Cool he for is, you to hop on there, man. Yeah, Thanks for doing that, by fun. the way. I wasn't available, but good job. That's all right, man. We chopped it up for about 45 minutes. We talked about uh, pretty much all three major sports, and then we talked a little bit about your boy, Urban Meyer. Cody showed, My boy? Yeah, that is your boy, That's just Urban disrespectful. Meyer. And Cody showed his his that he is an intelligent fan from Ohio because he, did, he, he admitted he defended Urban Meyer at the beginning. But then he said after listening to us and, and gathering the facts, he admitted that he was wrong. So he found he his moral compass. Yes, he did. I appreciate I'm proud that. of him for that. Good can job, Cody. And um, Keep going it, Cody. Went, you're doing a great job. Yeah, man. you are. You, we went around the league. And, yeah, it was about 45 minutes and just chopping it up. And, again, it is on our Twitter, at Sorry Sports. Give that one a listen. Rate and subscribe to his podcast. He's a great, he's a great guy, and he's doing a really good job. He kind of feels the, the sorrows that we feel because – he is because he's is, a Cleveland sports fan. He's a Cleveland sports fan. I don't really have to say anything else. No. All right. But, so um, so give that a listen. Talk Let's about drowning in. our sorrows. We've yeah. done enough of an open. Now it's time to get down to business, Tom. And we're going to start with obviously giving the Boston Red Sox their due for capturing their fourth world championship. Can you believe it? In 15 years, talk about reversing the curse. They took care of the Dodgers. In Game Five, didn't even have to go back to Fenway Park, nope. and you and I said what six? We said six. Cody and, didn't and I also said six. Listen, man, they, they won. They lost three games the entire postseason, and they decimated a 100 uh, 100 win Yankee team. They ran through the defending world champion Astros in five and then just took care of the two-time reigning National League champion Dodgers who forced the Astros to a game seven last year in five as well. This team was a juggernaut. They got performances up and down deep in that lineup. And listen, Mookie Betts had not a great series. J.D. Martinez had some big hits overall, though, not a great series. They persevered through that crazy 18-inning game three. 
listen, they did everything that they had to do. Unsung heroes up and down the line. Steve Pierce culminating that with the World Series MVP. Yeah, man. Journeyman Steve Pierce, who's played for every single American League East team. Congratulations to him. And shit, man, uh, the Boston Red Sox and New England have yet another championship. Since 2005, Super Bowls, four World Series, an NBA championship, and an NHL Stanley Cup. That's the last time I'll ever say that. Congrats to them. I want to kill myself. I'm it's done. very depressing. It, it sucks. It really does. Um, for me, this is now a sports year where I've seen the Philadelphia Eagles win the Super Bowl and now the Boston Red Sox win the World Series. And that is, God, I this just sucks. This just sucks. Yeah, it really does. But listen, we said it um, multiple times that Baseball and basketball, basically the best team wins like 95% of the time. And that is proven again this year. It's an ultimate war of attrition. We know that. Absolutely. And the Red Sox won 108 games. And, I mean, honestly, I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying this. The Red Sox are the second greatest team ever this year. I mean, it's hard to argue that, right? In my opinion. I mean, they they had the third most wins, including the postseason ever, with 119. The only two to finish ahead of that, I think the New York Yankees had 125. The Yankees in 98 went 125 and 50. That's the greatest team ever. Yeah, no doubt. No people, well, because you also play in the same same current playoff construct that the Red Sox do now. You're not looking back when just the best records from each league played in a World Series. Yeah, and, and then the Seattle Mariners of 2001 one had 120, but again, that team didn't win the World Series, so right. you kind of throw that one out yeah, the window. Yeah, they won 116 in the regular season and won four postseason games. Yeah, you throw that one out the window, but... I mean, listen, a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, you know, look at the glass half full. The Yankees still have the greatest season ever, Sean, so we can all relax. We can all relax, right? Well, the Red Sox went 11-3 and in this postseason and basically just carved through three tremendous teams, as I spoke to earlier. And they did it in a lot of different ways. And, and kind of the way, after I give them my due again, is I really want to get into this talk about analytics and the way that people broke down this series that kind of really irked me. And I kind of, you know, yeah, I, I, I previewed off, this to you beforehand. Finish off the Sox and then we'll get into your, your I thing, I mean, which basically I for the Sox is it kind of ties into that. They made, they pushed all the right buttons. They made every move that you could possibly need to from the starting staff to the bullpen usage to lineup configuration and putting guys in the right position to succeed. And they had this magic all year. And they had the horses to do that. Evaldi pitching out of the pen, saving their asses in game three, even though he suffered that loss. You know, Steve Pierce, Brock Holt, big hits, big hits. Really good job working counts, wearing out Dodger pitching. David Price has pure vindication now for every bit of shit that he's taken. He even said that yesterday. He holds all the cards now. Good for him. You know, I still have no problem facing him in a game next year, but no, I mean, you got to give him a lot well. of credit. He pitched great in the postseason after the Yankees. After the Yankees series. So what I want to get into now is this discussion on analytics because this is going to tie into the analysis of the series, okay? There's a narrative going out there right now that Alex Cora is the best manager in baseball by far. and ever. that ever, ever. Right. And that Dave Roberts is a bum and, and just unequivocally terrible. And my argument to everybody that wants to talk about both of these managers, how the series shook out, is this. If you know anything about 2018 baseball and how both of these teams are run, none of this should have been a surprise to you. 
Dave Dombrowski runs the Boston Red Sox. Now, he's an old school guy, but they pour as much money into their analytics department as any team in Major League Baseball does. Alex Cora, yeah, he's been there, done that. He was the bench coach of the world champion Astros last year. He was a longtime MLB player, been through the vigors, rigors of a regular season, knows what to do, right? But the way that that is run is essentially, we're going to give you all the information that we want to give you. But if you go against it and you want to push a button, such as putting Brock Holt as your starting second baseman in game three of a division series, then you can do that. And if it doesn't work out, it's no big deal. You want to pitch Nathan Evaldi out of the bullpen because you feel that he's going to save you? Awesome. If he gives up five runs, it's no big deal. Let's flip that to the other side. The Los Angeles Dodgers are a purely analytically driven team, okay, from from top down. And Dave Roberts, and if you, if you don't believe me right now, you should just listen to his press conferences at the conclusion of every game. We went with a game plan. We went with a game plan. We went with a game plan. You know what that game plan, and you know what that's code for? I got a bunch of numbers telling me matchups, I and I, I went told. what I was supposed to do. I did okay? what I was told. Exactly. And because unlike the situation in Boston, if he goes against popular demand and it doesn't work, he's fearing for his job. We acknowledged this way before our podcast even started, and we were talking about managers, right? Managers make no money now. Because you can't pay these managers a lot of money because the decision is so, you know, out of their hands as to what happens in a game of baseball. Listen, Alex Cora could not have, quote unquote, managed that game for any worse before the Red Sox came back. And, and then Dave Roberts, quote unquote, mismanaged that game to the worst degree after a terrible game two and a bad game one. That's how baseball is, man, and this is how these teams are run. And I'm telling you one thing is we're, you know, obviously Yankee fans, and we don't hide that. Yankee fans better be careful about what they what they look at, what they analyze, and how they talk about their team. Because Brian Cashman is about as analytically driven, and that team is as analytically focused as any team across Major League Baseball. And you want to criticize Aaron Boone? You want to look up and down the decisions he's making? You know why Joe Girardi's not back? Because he went against a lot of those moves and didn't and spoke out against them. Aaron Boone is not going to do that, and he just has to echo to his team why they're making these decisions. Dave Roberts doing that to the players in Los Angeles after losing a second straight World Series. I want to get your take on it, but that's my piece. And when you look up and down this series and why the Dodgers lost in five games, it was a lot of terribly managed bullpen usage. Horrible matchups that favored Boston, taking guys out way too early. I think of Baez in game two after mowing down three Red Sox on consecutive strikeouts, taking out the left, taking him out to put in the lefty. You look at Rich Hill being taken out when he was in game four, up and down the line. That's not a great bullpen, but the numbers still tell you this is who you should use in this situation. Obviously, it turned out to bite them. Alex Cora used a little bit more of his gut because he was allowed to, and it seemed like every decision that he made turned to gold. I'm a little bit surprised. I thought your argument was going to be a little more towards whether or not you agree with the analytics. I'll get to that, but I want to get to your point first. I, I'm in complete agreement with you. I think that the Red Sox let you have a little bit of leeway, but you mentioned this to me earlier, and I think you're completely right. The guy who won the Re- the World Series for the Red Sox last was... John Farrell. John Farrell. Right. What year manager was he when they won? He was his first year, and right. we thought he was going to be the next Billy Martin or whoever you want to say. You said Casey Stang. They were running him out of town three or four years later. Because he went against the analytics? It, it, no. 
Well, it was kind of that. Because the team wasn't the playing team well did, for Yeah, him. the team no. didn't play great. Well, you you said it has nothing to do with the analytics. It wasn't because he went against the analytics because the Red Sox are a, a perfect blend, in my opinion, of analytics and, and, I guess, gut. Because sometimes you have to judge a guy off character because numbers will never tell you a guy's mental state. I'll give you a perfect example, in my opinion, of why I think Aaron Boone, the one thing that you pretty much have control over in baseball and this analytically driven sport are the in-game decisions, right? Especially the bullpen. Kind of. Kind of, but still. You're not filling out a lineup card anymore, and you're not determining when these guys get rest. That is done by a computer, and that is done by a bunch of guys who are paid probably pretty well to operate that computer, right? In-game decisions ultimately are on the manager. Some managers get fired over in-game decisions. Uh, the, my one example will be bringing a guy like Batansis in when it comes to analytics and, and how you need a mix. The numbers may say to bring in Dell and Batansis with two men on and one out, but you and I both know mentally that Batansis pitches much better out of a clean inning and that you should bring someone else in. Uh, and it makes me nervous because Aaron Boone just goes completely with the analytics. And if you want to go to the World Series... There's Ryan Madsen. Why is he coming in with guys on base? Exactly. And, and that's I'm trying to tie this back to the Yankees just because we are a Yankees podcast, but we do talk about all sports, of course. We're geniuses. My point it being is that the one thing I worry about when it comes to this analytically driven thing is that the one thing that you have control over as a manager are in-game decisions to an extent. And Aaron Boone is not very good at that. Well, you just hit the key word, man. To an extent. I the Red Sox you. have a higher extent of what they allow their manager to make in-game decisions with than what the Yankees allow Aaron Boone to have, which is why Aaron Boone's managing this team and not Joe Girardi. I'm telling you right now, they don't allow him to do that because if he goes with his decision that goes against what the numbers and computer are telling him to do in that spot and it backfires, they are not going to help him. They are going to say, what in the hell are you doing? We have all of this information at your disposal. His job is really not in-game decisions. I would disagree with you. His, his job is to communicate with the players and to tell them why they're making these decisions and why the higher-ups. It sounds so they fucking hire ridiculous. A, they should, but, but that's what is it is. They, he does make some in-game decisions, and some of them made you scratch your head throughout the playoffs. They should just hire a therapist then. Yeah, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you there. You know what I mean? But like, that's, what, that's what it is. I think, and I don't think he has much control over who goes in. I still think he's reading off of some type of template. But like I said, if there's one thing that he has even a semblance of control over, it is in-game decisions, whether it be, obviously in American League Baseball, it's not a double switch, and it's 90% of the time not a pinch hitter. It's more bullpen-oriented. I think if he has any semblance of a decision, it is... In the bullpen, and who knows how much of that's analytics, whether it be 75% to 25%. It's a lot. The Yankees are one of the highest. Decisions. I agree with you, but my point is this. The bullpen was terribly managed for the second half through the entire through the entirety of, aside from one game where Batances got out of it and a few guys, other guys, the game maybe it was game two or three against the Red Sox, it deceives me. But that is the one thing that I have to go off of where Aaron Boone could kind of now, use can his I ask you a, a question? Bit, and I'm worried. Can I ask you a question? Let's tie this back to the World Series. Did the, are there bad decisions because the guys that they brought in when the numbers said this is who you should bring in and they didn't get the job done? Or, did, or is it a bad decision because 
you didn't use your gut and the guy that you could have got that could have gotten the outs is sit, sitting in the no, bullpen. No, my point was is that I think that baseball is so analytic, analytically driven that the one thing you do have control over in a small semblance is the bullpen. And when Aaron Boone was using a mixture of analytics and his gut, he did it wrong either way. Yeah, and that's what makes me really nervous and that, about but Aaron that's, Boone. But that's the problem is, is I don't know which one is which. And Aaron Boone, by the way, still won 100 games. He did. What I'm going to say is this, and, and I want to tie it back to the series. I'm tired of arguing about Aaron Boone because he's going to be the Yankees it, manager he's for the next be, three to four years. Control him like a puppet, and that's fine. What we're going to talk about is getting back to the World Series. You guys have to understand something, everybody listening, and who, who's going to talk about baseball as we segue into the post, into the into the off season now officially. The way that baseball works now, it's yes, it's heavy on the analytics, and I don't care if you're old school or new school. Listen, we're millennials. We we like technology. We understand technology. We utilize technology in far greater capacity than any generation prior to us, right? But we like baseball the way that we've known watching baseball. And it's not that long ago that you saw a lot of hitting and running. You saw a lot of bunting. You saw a lot of taking the extra base. And the Red Sox worked that to a T during this series. A, because they have the personnel to do it. And again, they have a bunch of information telling them that this guy can do this better than other people. And when you have this situation, you have to execute it this way. You have to have a mix of both. You cannot go one way or another. And I hope that this World Series puts a little bit of a spotlight on teams like the New York Yankees, on teams like the Los Angeles Dodgers, and up and down Major League Baseball and say, you cannot do it purely off of analytics. Because if you don't have the personnel to get guys out and to move runners across and to and to take the extra base, then you know what? You're not going to do it and you're not going to win. And even if you win 100 games like the New York Yankees or you get to the World Series for a second straight year with like the Los Angeles Dodgers, when you play a team that has that blend as you alluded to, you are going to fall completely and utterly short and you have to give your manager who you are paying maybe it's not as much as the good old days and maybe they don't have the control of a Billy Martin or shit even a Joe Torre but you know what or a Bruce Bochy if you want to make it even more recent but you know what they can do they can tell a, t- a player, and they should be able to tell a player, this is why we're doing this. And I believe strongly, knowing baseball the way I know it, whether I played it or not, whether I've been a manager or not, you're eventually going to get your feet wet. You have to play it a little bit more with the gut and not just the numbers. Because if you go purely off computers, this is what happens to you. Even if you reach the pinnacle of a World Series, you are going to fall short to the team that has that blend yep. and has the personnel to do it. And I'm telling you right now, as a baseball, and we're seeping into all sports, we went on it last week about Pat Shermer going for two. Gives you a 12.6 extra percent chance of winning that game. Have you watched the New York Giants offense? You're not going to do that. Okay, It's the same. The Red Sox have better pieces out of the bullpen than the Los Angeles Dodgers do. And they can capitalize on certain decisions much better than the Dodgers, and that's why the Red Sox won in five. There's your analysis. There's your analytics. Work with them both in a perfect marriage and move on. Don't marry one. There you go. What, what did Fizdale say? The Memphis Grizzlies series against uh, against the Warriors. Take that. Take that for data or whatever. He yeah, said. something like that. Well, now so, he's coaching your boys, and you gotta love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll get into the NBA later. I'm in complete agreement because you know what. Even analytics aren't a hundred percent, dude. It, there's, there's like, and a, and a the math. one thing that analytics cannot measure 
is a player's mental state. There was a Period. quote in, I think that it was like the movie, like A Beautiful Mind or something. It was like 80, 80% of math can only solve 80% of world problems. The 20 is solved by heart. And there you go. That's a perfect segue into sports. We talk sports. We have to we have to get into this man because it's seeping into everything. I mean, look at the Warriors. I know you know why they're so analytically driven because they have one of the best three point shooters of all time. They have another one of the best three point shooters of all time. They and got one of the best players of all time, and they have Draymond Green who can make every play that analytics tells somebody that a pos- player who's in his position who plays his position should make. That's why they're so good. Yep. Analytics doesn't work great on the Brooklyn Nets or the New York Knicks. You know why? Because they don't have the personnel to do it, and they haven't been coached well enough. Right. Which uh, again, more than analytics. Yeah, but I completely agree with you. Everything you said was definitely on par. I'm surprised. I'm proud of you. I feel like a proud, even though you're older than me. I feel like a proud father. It was great, Sean. Applause for you. But why don't we move on to college football? That was a good argument, and I definitely completely agree with you there. Let's hope that Aaron Brune can uh, can figure it out. And next let's hope year. Brian Cashman allows him to do it. That's, that's, that's more, more my that's, that's more, more of my point. point than anything. Yep. I agree with you. So let's move on to some college football. We'll do a recap first. Notre Dame keeps it rolling. They beat up on Navy 44-22. to Do we really have to say anything about that game? Nope, other than the fact that they stay in the top three. And right now, as rankings come out tomorrow for the first time, they are going to be in the college football playoff. Absolutely. And you and I both know how people... Notre Dame is is it's a different animal. Everybody, people love Notre Dame, and, and I think that that's what's going to keep them in that top three. As long as they win great. games like this, which is why we put it in our notes, then they are going to be a heavy representative. As long as nothing else changes, to to be one of the four teams. Yeah. So let's move on to the next game. This one was a little disappointing to me because I was kind of rooting for Texas this year. They lose in a big-time upset to Oklahoma State, who I said they were going to run up the score. I said they were going to score in bunches. You were right. To Oklahoma State. Yeah. What do you think about that game? Well, it looked like Ellinger's shoulder was fine. He played well, but the Texas defense could not stop. Shredded. Yeah, could not stop Oklahoma State. And I, I felt kind of similarly to that game as I felt watching the Washington State-Oregon game the week prior. This kind of game just felt like it was set up for an, for an upset. You know, Texas is still a young team. You got to love the way Tom Herman has coached up that team and has progressed that team maybe a year earlier than they thought, but a, a blue-chip program is back on the map as far as college football is concerned, and they're there to stay. They have great recruits, and now it shows that they can make, some, uh, make, some, make a lot of progress in a Big 12. But honestly, Mike Gundy just had that, had that defense – completely done and that that offense for them you know they get talent you know they get athleticism they have guys who can make big plays down the field they had a couple of guys that just torched the secondary for texas and another top team goes down and it's just kind of this seesaw up and down every week games that you feel like you know, shouldn't be upsets end up being upsets, and Oklahoma's not going to make any move in the Big Twelve. We know that, and but now they effectively ruined Texas's season and knocked them out of any consideration for a playoff spot. Yeah, they're they're pretty much done, especially with how top heavy the SEC is right now and how Notre Dame's really absolutely rolling. So, moving on to the next game, we have Washington State. This Pac-12 man, I cannot figure it out. Washington State's down at the bottom at the beginning of the year. They're ranked 13th now, probably going to move up. 
They beat Stanford 41-38. to 38. Um, number 24 ranked Stanford. They're probably going to fall out of the top 25 after that one. And uh, another guy who knows how to run up a score, and that's Mike Leach. Well, you're 100% right in saying they're probably going to move up because the AP poll that came out today put uh, Washington State now at number 10. So they are wow. now in the top 10. And you're right. They they were basically... So in, uh, in your opinion, who's the best team in the Pac-12? You're going to go by a week-to-week basis? Well, Washington just lost this week. And Oregon lost again. And right now, when you have UCLA, USC down, Arizona State, Arizona's down. Yeah, I, right now, if you're gonna if you're gonna pick a team that you would say would represent, I mean, Utah's sneaky, but Stanford's irrelevant, and, and it's got to be Washington State. I'll ask you again next week. I bet you basically. I think that's fair. All right, so let's move on to the next game. I know this is a team you really like this year because you have been talking about them a lot. Kentucky barely skates by a 15-14 win over a team that upsets a lot of teams in Missouri. They do. Remember, Missouri played Florida pretty, pretty tight a couple weeks ago. The reason I like talking about them is when were you, when have we been yeah. able to talk about Kentucky Probably football? Probably the first and the last Once we get year, into we our college basketball, we'll be talking about Kentucky sure. a lot. But until then, we're going to talk about them in football. And it seemed like to me this game, it was very sluggish. This was a classic SEC East game. Pretty good defense, very little offense. To me, it looks like they're looking a little bit forward to that Georgia game, which is coming up this week. Hey, a win's a win, though. A win is a win, and that's all you got to do. At this point, it's not about style points for Kentucky because if they can if they can parlay this into a win against Georgia and just upset the apple cart in the SEC East, all hell breaks loose. Could you imagine if they made it to the into the Final Four? Well, if they go to the SEC Championship game, because now for that Florida loss, which we'll get into in a second, um... They're out of the picture, so it's really Georgia and Kentucky, amazingly enough, and if somehow, some way, something crazy happens and Fromm lays an egg and Kentucky's defense shows up and the quarterback makes enough plays to win that game, they're going to play Alabama in the SEC championship game, which I would not expect a win, but listen. It's one it, game, you never know. You never know. All right, so moving on to the next game, we already mentioned it. Georgia beats Florida 36-17. to Speaking of your guy, Jake Fromm, he looked pretty good in that game. He looked really good, and especially late. That game was really close for a long time. Florida's offense looked a little bit better. Both defenses were pretty stout you know, through the first half and into the third quarter. And then Georgia was able to come up with a couple of big plays in the running game, open up the pass, open up the passing game. Fromm made, as you just spoke to, some huge plays, particularly late third quarter, early fourth quarter. And Georgia ran away with that game in Jacksonville, which they play annually. Um, Florida had a chance, man. They definitely did. But the difference is, is Felipe Franks is not going to beat Jake Fromm when it comes to quarterback play. No, I definitely agree with that, and I think he solidified his starting job for the rest of the season with that win against Florida. I know there was some clamoring; they had another five star. Yeah, Fields. Fields is not far away though, and they're gonna. Nope. They have been implementing him in a couple of packages, kind of a little reminiscent to how Alabama used Tua last year. Scary for Fromm though, because this guy was a five star, big time recruit, Elite Eleven Georgia player, and. I mean, he's got one year. He's got one year left before he can even enter the draft. So yeah, and if they uh, like Fields as much as they say they do, and as much as the particular the the people in college football love him, he might be the next Lawrence and 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 Tagovailoa. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and uh, Jake Fromm may be the next. Um, what the hell is the guy named from Clemson? Kelly Bryant. Kelly yeah. Bryant or yep. Jalen Hurts. Exactly. 
it's getting really interesting with these big programs, how they are just getting back-to-back-to-back huge quarterbacks. I feel like I've never seen this before. No, this is different. Um, Because, you know, the last time I can remember a quarterback kind of controversy, but it didn't really matter, was you had the guy who started over Tebow for his name. um, I know exactly. It's like Leaf. 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 And then... Not Ryan Leaf. No, 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 no. (laughs) Not Ryan Leaf. But, I mean, but back then, you look at it, and I don't want to go on too much of a thing. I mean, Florida had quarterbacks like there was no tomorrow. I mean, just alone, you had Jacoby Brissett was at Florida as well, and Cam Newton. I was just going to say, at, I yep. didn't forget about him. You thought I did, but no, not Cam at all. New- Cam Newton was at Florida before he had that laptop incident and then had to go to a junior college. So, but that's enough of a tangent. It, it is getting interesting with Wonder the recruiting how of quarterbacks. Got those guys. <laughs> oh man, we will not get into that another time. <laughs> all right, number seventeen, Penn State takes the uh, Big Ten win over a very closely ranked eighteen Iowa at home. These teams are both, they're not 30 to 26. The only reason I put this game in there is because if Michigan goes down this week to Northwestern, then again, all hell breaks loose because Ohio State's now at a point where they can't lose again. And if Penn State beats a, if Penn State wins this game and then, you know, has, has a game over Michigan later on, I mean, I'm telling you one thing, man, that they, and and then Michigan loses to Ohio or Ohio State loses to Michigan, it's completely it's complete chaos in that division of the and Big Ten. And then we'll have four SEC teams in the playoff. <laughs> um, so last game we have to mention was you said them two seconds ago. Northwestern won a big time game against Wisconsin. This was a was, huge game. Wisconsin has a, having a bad year, man. Yeah, they are. And, and Northwestern is a really weird team, and that's why they you know why I put big game is when you see their record at at four and three, you're you're thinking. How is this a big game? Well, you know, they've lost a couple of bad games. You know, they lost to Duke, but they also were right there with Michigan, and they play yeah. in the other division of the Big Ten where they don't have to worry about Penn State. No, they can find their way. They don't have to worry the, about uh, Penn State, Ohio State, game. or Penn State. So if they – Wisconsin was really their biggest threat, and they just knocked them off. So if they can run the table the rest of the way, get to that Big Ten championship game, again, it's going to depend on who they end up playing. You never know. That's where I can't tell you, man, how many times in October I've seen a a team win, and they say, oh, that was a big win. I'm like, how is this a big win? Look at who they've lost to. Look at who they played. And then they end up somehow going on a run, and you're like, oh, my God, that's right. I remember in late October when they won that game mm-hmm. that I didn't think much of at the time, and here they are. So, remember, they do have the quarterback. The name escapes me at the moment, but he is one of the top prospects of this well, weak quarterback a, draft class. He was a he was a transfer from a much bigger college. I do remember yeah, that. He's been good the last few years, and he was going into the preseason one of the favorites. He was a five-star recruit. Yeah, he might have been Georgia, but I'm not sure. He's one of the favorites for, uh, for a, court, a top quarterback take in the draft he's had an up and down season one but of the favorites for a Giants that, quarterback that, yeah right that was a big win that was a big win for him and uh and and the northwest and the northwestern squad yeah college football is definitely starting to heat up and get interesting yeah. even though are you starting to get into it yet um no but i know enough about it first to talk rankings it are this tuesday as we get through those rankings so when we preview these games there's going to be a couple that i think you might get into oh yeah well let's Oh, shit. The first one. So, week nine preview. <laughs> first one you wrote down. This is the best game of the season so far. Oh, un, un, without without head and doubt. shoulders by far. Without a doubt. Number one, Alabama goes into one of the Death Valleys since there's like <laughs> 15 of them. 
um, LSU, and it looks like they are a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. I That's was absurd, dude. shocked when I saw this line. Seven, seven and a half should be the line. Cut it, that, cut that in half. I'll basically. meet you in the middle, and I'll say probably nine and a half to ten. Okay, but remember, man, Tua's got that knee and the shoulder, and LSU at home at night. They're now ranked fourth in the country. Has been lethal at Death Valley number two or three or whatever. Yeah, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> yes, real college football, real college football purists. They'll say they're one, but yeah, absolutely, it's insane, man. I mean, this game it's going to be a is lot of going fun. to just be nuts. And there's got to be a night game, right? Oh, it's the CBS eight o'clock game. Okay. Yeah, yep the the annual game between the two on the first Saturday of November. I can't wait for this game, man. I mean, it's going to be smash mouth, you headed hard down? hitting. I'd love to go. I mean, I won't be in my beloved Alabama. <laughs> I know I had to make you laugh on that. No, I will not, but I will be absolutely Maybe sip- we could get a sponsorship. Maybe we could have like Hotel Tonight put you up there. Can we make that happen within the next like five days? Yeah, That'd why be not? Great. I'll take sure. a, I'll take a early morning flight Saturday, get why down not? there. You know game day I'll be there. Hang with Reese, Herb Street, and uh, Corso and the guys. Oh, yeah, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will absolutely be on the couch with a glass of bourbon or two watching this game. I can't wow. wait, man. Guys, another look behind the curtain at Sean. He drinks. Congrats. <laughs> Alright, so let's move on to the next game. I expect game. to enjoy this game. <laughs> another 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 big time preview here. Another big game in the SEC. University of Georgia at number twelve Kentucky. This is the game we talked about before. This is the SEC East game of the game of the year right now. I mean, there just was the one between Georgia and Florida, and now you got Georgia and Kentucky. I still cannot believe I'm saying Kentucky in the same breath as yeah. as Georgia football, but I'm gonna say I don't expect this Georgia game to be basketball that close. on the come up. By the way, Tom you Crean, keep saying big that. time hire, yeah, big time hire. Watch out for it. But we'll get into that. In, we'll get into that in a couple weeks. Yeah, we got to get there soon, right? But Absolutely. until the until then, I just don't feel like this game will be close. I I, I feel like I hope from I, I hope really, from lights it up and he solidifies. Even, even though more this game is at Kentucky, job. I I just. I don't know what kind of home field that is, and and I think Fromm's too good, man. He he is a true freshman. Went to the went to the national championship last year. If it wasn't for Tua being inserted, he probably would have won. So, if I, Kentucky's smart, they look at the NBA schedule and they say, "Who's off tonight? Who can we fly out here? Can we get Cousins out here? He's not playing. Can we get <laughs> can we get John Wall? Maybe Davis out here? Eric, you could I could go on for an, about two hours of all the pads and and let him no, run just some. get him on the sideline. Let him get the fans going nuts. They would I'd pack that thing so quick. I, I mean, yeah, maybe Cousins or Anthony something. Anthony Davis. Yeah, right. But um, yeah, that that game's definitely going to be fun. Uh, moving on to the next game, Penn State at number five, Michigan. Penn State. What are they ranked now? Uh, they're they're really not in. I don't think they're in the top twenty-five right now, man. I mean, they no, they are. They're at least seventeen because they were ranked seventeen oh, okay, last that's week. Right. So. Yeah. They, now I know there was a lot of change in the college football playoff, and when I did these notes, I did not see a number attached to them. But regardless, they're definitely you know towards the back end of the top twenty-five. Again, man, here we go. This is a game that could that could cause a lot of that could cause a lot of upheaval. 14. There you go. So they're they're so they're not as far back as I thought they were. So this again could cause a lot of upheaval in the Big Ten. Michigan has been great ever since that loss to Notre Dame. Are they looking too far ahead to that Ohio yeah. State game? So handicap this game for me. What do you think the spread is and what do you think the score is? Well, it's gonna be a smash mouth game because of the way the Michigan plays defense. Um I think the spread in this game, let's see. 
The game's going to be at Michigan. No, don't look. No, no, no. I just want to make sure that it was at Michigan, which it is. So I would have to say that Michigan's going to be a 13-point favorite. And I expect this game to be somewhere between 24 to 14, something like that. 24 to 16. What did you say the spread was? I wanted to say 13. 10 and a half right. right now, current. Got it. Interesting. When, yeah. I, I thought it would be a little bit higher, but I guess Penn State did a little bit in that Iowa game. I don't know. Um, I just want to know what Michigan's going to do. Harbaugh went ha- down to 10. but So Harbaugh's going to be tested here. James Franklin, I, I think, is a really good coach. That defense, you know I've spoken about this throughout the college football season, I don't think is great. They have the talent, but they're so young. But Michigan's not really a, a passing team. So is Shea Patterson going to make enough plays to to really beat up that secondary? I don't know about that. I think they're going to try to you know, assert some dominance on the line and, and run the ball and play smash-mouth football. I think the difference maker in this game, to be honest with you, is probably Trace McSorley. Can he make enough plays with his feet? That offensive line of Penn State isn't tremendous. You know that Michigan's going to get pressure on him. He's made a lot of plays with his feet this year, more so than he has in the past because there's a little bit more pressure on him. I, I don't, I'm not sure, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb. I'm going to say that Michigan will cover this 10-point, but I'm going to say it's going to be about 24-14. I like something like so that. The, so they'll cover, but yeah. it'll be a push. Okay. Yeah. I, right. I, just don't see, I just don't see how Penn State's going to score a lot of points, and I don't think Michigan's going to run up the score because I don't think they have the kind of offense to do that, but they'll score enough. I could see this game being like a three- or four-point game really late, and then they, they score a touchdown in the last five minutes, something like that. Last thing I will say about this game and basically Michigan as a whole, funny how how long has Harbaugh been there? About five years? Yeah. Five years and he still hasn't figured out how to develop an offense and a quarterback. No, and, and it's and that's kind of the crazy thing, right? He's definitely had the personnel. Um, I just don't think when it, they don't play that kind of style, he he dra- he drafts he recruits a lot of maulers. That line on both ends, the defensive line is huge. That offensive line is huge. If you watch that Michigan State game. That was a classic Big Ten game, and that was a that's how Michigan and a lot of those teams like to play, physical, dirty, smash-mouth football. I definitely expect to see some of that. I don't know what the conditions are going to be in Michigan this weekend, but you know it's going to be chilly up there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, moving on to the next game, we have number three Notre Dame at Northwestern. Well, if Northwestern's going to make some craziness, this is a good time to do it. Let's see what they've got. I don't think it's going to be enough. No. I think Notre Dame wins this game probably by two touchdowns or so wow. and uh, oh, and take care of business. Big scores today. Big, big, big time spreads. That's, I'm, I'm that's ta- interesting. I don't know what the spread is, but I just think, I, I just I think, think this Notre guy Dame's book, too good. Book's I think this good. guy booked this cor- the quarterback that they, that they basically had. Um, what game did they put him in against? Was who was it against? It was, was it, early. It was early on. It was against a big time team. I don't. I don't remember who it was, but since putting him in, this team has looked absolutely unstoppable. Well, he, he adds another dynamic to that team. I mean, and he plays a lot like some of the guys. I can't believe I'm saying his name because you think of him in the NFL. But Deshaun Kaiser, when he took over the job at, at, in South Bend, really like took that team by storm. And I'm seeing Book do rel- kind of the same thing. I like them a lot. Now, Northwestern, I'll say this, they play up to their competition. They play down. You know, they've lost games that they have no business losing. Remember, they should have beaten Michigan. 
if it wasn't for Michigan, you know, just kind of winning a war of attrition and coming back late in that game. It was like a month ago. It was late September. But they play down. So if you're gonna if you're gonna you know ride those trends, then they're gonna play up to this up to this game. Let's see what books got. Aside from Syracuse later on, this is gonna be the real last tough game that Notre Dame plays and. If they're looking towards that college football playoff, they've got to get this one, and they might even have to do it with style points and win big. Yeah, man, absolutely. It'll definitely be interesting to see, but I think uh, Notre Dame absolutely rolls this game. Final game, Cal is headed to Washington State. You know why this game's on the notes. Of course, because we want to see if they can keep it two weeks in a row for Washington State and take kind of a stranglehold on this Pac-12 who's been begging for somebody to take the lead in it seemingly the entire season. Someone has to, right? So this would be for a third week in a row to see if they can do Washington some damage. Washington State's saying, why not us, man? They must be. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think that's a great take. I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think what other team is challenging them? Stanford's out. Oregon's out. Washington's out. Somebody needs to win this division. Somebody needs to take it by the stranglehold. How about Minshew and that mustache for, for Mike Leach's offense? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, listen, I, I don't think this team's going to perform well when it comes to the later bowl seasons and whatnot, just because I think when you play a good defense that's outside of the Pac-12 and you see this all the time, you get lit up. I mean, I mean, these guys that run the spread offense and they throw the ball all over the football field, when you play those athletes down south and you come to the East Coast and you start playing those bigger players that can compete with your speed, it's over for you. But Totally agree. The, right now, they're the class of there. the West. Yeah, they have to be, right? Tenth-ranked team? They're definitely the best team in the West. Let's see what Utah has. I, I don't think they're done yet. Yeah, but I think this Washington State team's a little bit better than them. If you're going to play the same game as Washington State, they're going to outrun you. That's for sure. Well, you know that. I mean, Mike Leach's offenses are nuts. So Definitely. So why don't we move on to our final topic, NBA, starting to heat up. Um, the Lakers are looking a little bit better. Uh, LeBron's Lonzo's in the starting lineup, which I think is interesting. What are your takes since we talked last week? Anthony Davis is playing at an MVP type level. Kawhi Leonard is clearly not a hundred percent, but the guy is using wit, guile, and just pure skill to basically will the Toronto Raptors to be even better than when they had Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry. Um, and I watch Giannis play basketball, and I am—he—he uh, he amazes me in different ways every single night. The guy—I don't know if you saw him, but the guy put on like thirty pounds of muscle. Well, yeah, you told me about this early it, on, insanity. and then you see him posting up centers. Yeah, it's crazy. It's—it it is crazy, and and I watched like a—I th- watched two or three full um, Bucks games, and and we said this during the preview. Brooke Lopez was an incredible pickup for them, and this guy. He's like a spot-up three-point shooter now. Did you see now. that game that they were playing against Philly where he was hitting threes all over the place? Yeah, and I, I think Philly is... Love you, Brooke. Love you. Love, yeah, exactly. That's your guy from Brooklyn. Philly is... I, I don't think they're as good of a team as we thought they were going to be. Early on, no. I think that there's still good a little bit of a form. feeling out process. They're very lucky to play Another takeaway is, I mean, I, I, I've seen the highlights and I've watched a few of his games. Fultz is rounding into form. Now listen, he will never be Jason Tatum. He will Hell never even no. be close. And I think Lonzo even has a better career than him, to be honest with you, whether he's playing for the Lakers or at, at later this season he's playing for the Portland Trailblazers when they trade uh, him for Damian Lillard with a few other pieces, of course. But I think Fultz is, is going to be like a six-man type player. 
a 3 and D, not well, a, a really good athlete that can stretch the floor, put the ball on the deck, and play really, really good perimeter defense. But was he is is a six man worth a first round pick or first, first overall, overall pick? pick absolutely not. But no. I, you know, we we discuss this. He he still might be a trade chip at some point. But anything they can get out of him after what happened last year is a, is a plus for them at the in the short term. Definitely. Um, and then why don't we jump into the Knicks and the Nets before we talk about the saga that is still an ongoing thing. Um, so for your netters, how are you feeling about them? Well, not great right now because the Knicks are beating them by 14 at MSG. Ooh, okay. Um, I like what I've seen. You know, they they were they were playing a couple of good games. They they really should have beaten the Pelicans on Friday. Russell with a terrible turnover late, and then one of the worst refereeing jobs I've seen was uh, Solomon Hill was walking into the Nets huddle. Ed Davis pushed him over. Well, he barely touched him. He flopped. Solomon Hill did, and they called it a technical free throw and the ball for the Pelicans, which won the game for them. Disgraceful. Tough. Tough. And because the Nets hung, they were right there. I mean, they definitely made some terrible turnovers down late that cost them that game. But that that technical, you know, they definitely got hosed. And then yesterday they lost by six to the Warriors. They they matched them with a lot of three pointers. Russell and Levert look great early on. That's what Russell, I'm seeing. And Joe Harris too. Joe Harris, Le, Russell, and Levert have played out of their minds. Russell, Dinwiddie's if he can stay better. healthy, will get a max contract next year. I would think 100%. so, and it might be in Brooklyn. Dinwiddie's played, played better. He was off to a torrid start last year before that knee got him out for like three months, and I think he looks even better this he year. He looks so good. Guy's di- unguardable, man. He, he's distributing the ball great. He He's almost automatic from three. Dinwiddie playing alongside him has gotten better. Joe Harris has had a really great start you to the know. season. Maybe they go with the two of them next year because they'll still have room for Because I don't think you get Dinwiddie at a max. No, I think you're you might get him to. at a di- – not a discount, but he's just not a max player. And I, I think that maybe if you sign Russell, who's still incredibly young. The guy's what, maybe 23? He's 23, yeah. Yeah, maybe you can go out and get another guy like Kawhi or something. I mean, that would be a dream situation. But until then, listen – they're playing well. I hope they beat the Knicks tonight because this is games from last year that they would lose. You know, they'd hang with the big too, boys. To be honest, well, of course, they hang with the big boys. I'm trying for those, and then balls. they, you know, get swept in the season series by the Knicks, and they lose to bad teams. Either way, just keep building, man. You got to show we, we, and we're gonna talk about this at nauseum every week. Just show to teams like the Warriors when you play them, teams like the Celtics when you play them, teams like the Rockets when you play them. We're not a joke. We're not a pushover. We're not going to be fun to play. We're going to give you everything you got. We're great. We're really well coached. We've got some talent. We play really freaking hard, and we want to get to that next level. And they definitely have the pieces to do it. I don't know if they'll win tonight. That eight, I'm feeling a little bit less secure about me picking them for the eighth seed. Although you know that was me being more of a fanboy. Yeah. Um. I don't know, but. It, they they are fun to watch. Like I turned them on yesterday during some of the break of the NFL, and I really wasn't disappointed. I was entertained yeah, for two your, and a half hours. From which your was perspective, fine. and they watching, played the cream of the crop of the league. Yeah, from your perspective, watching a team that, I mean, even last year, but this year even more, that will compete with the Golden State Warriors and the teams like that, 
and knowing that you actually have a draft pick this year for the first time in forever where your team isn't just being terrible and then saying, here's the number one pick, uh, Boston Celtics. Right. It's got to be a good feeling because there's a lot of currency of hope out there. Yeah, and and Um, let's just see if they can continue the trend now to reverse it to your boys. What are you seeing so far in your second week of action? I mean, we we said this on the pod. We weren't breaking any news, but Kevin Knox is out with an ankle sprain for probably another three to four weeks. I think that they're going to extend that out a little bit further because, come on, we're not competing for a championship. Don't push him, right? Exactly. Same thing with Porzingis. Um, but what I really like to see is their signings this year. Hazonia has looked great. He's knocking down everything. Nilakina had 17 against the Warriors a couple nights ago. and you That know, was his first start at point guard of the season, yeah, right? Yeah, he's playing ferocious defense, as he always will. If he can just get a mid-range jump shot, I'm begging you, just a mid-range jump shot, he'll be a serviceable player. Again, I said this on the Cody Wagner show. I'm still kicking myself that Phil Jackson took him over um, Donovan Mitchell, who the Knicks wanted. And then they, he was subsequently fired like four days later. But whatever. I'll get over that someday, maybe when I'm dead. <laughs> I was um, just going to say, it won't be anytime soon. Um, but uh, this team is is competing. They're playing with competence, and they this team looks to be developing. Mitchell Robinson's playing a few more minutes a game. And I really like the showcase that they're having with guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. and Enos Cantor who are averaging absurd numbers on a bad team. And hopefully these guys can be some good trade fodder somewhere somewhere down the line in the season. Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to be tough to trade because I think he's got like three years left on that deal. But if the, if the Knicks can take on some of that money and they can take on maybe, maybe another contract, hopefully they can get a first-round pick out of him. I think that's the dream situation, right? How could you want anything else? I mean... I still believe that there's going to be a team like I could see LeBron making his way with a young team and you know the cast of characters that he has out there with Rondo and McGee and and Lance Stevenson. Although McGee uh, Lance Stevenson was a great signing. Rondo is yet to be seen because he's been suspended for a while for the thing that happened with the Rockets. McGee's been bad. Yeah. So once again, so that kind of does not have a big man at all. No. So that kind of leads to my, you know, progression of my of my soliloquy here is I could definitely see a situation where maybe the Lakers see maybe LeBron finally says, "Listen, we're better than we than we're playing, and I'm sick and tired of these guys on this team dragging me down because I do think we have a window." You said it perfectly last week. LeBron James is not going to settle, or maybe it was on our preview, but you said LeBron is not going to settle for anything less than, you know, the four or five seed in the in the conference. So, because he hasn't been outside of that, albeit in the East, in about 12 years. So, maybe he says, listen, you see over there in New York, Tim Hardaway? That's a guy I'd like to play with because, you know what? He's going to knock down open shots. He's going to create shots, and he's going to make us better. Enos Cantor, down low as an offensive rebounding presence. Yeah. Give me him. I I like him a lot. Maybe those two guys become commodities for a LeBron James led Laker team that doesn't like developing young players. Yeah. I think the Lakers are going to make a little bit more of a splash because they're nervous. They're not going to get anybody in free agency. Um, I think that they go more for a guy like Dame Lillard. I I think think that he would be ideal. I think they give up a guy. I think they give up, a package of a first-round draft pick, Alonzo Ball, and a Contavious Caldwell-Pope for a guy like Dame Lillard. So you guy just, from L.A., yep. Compton area, 
who he's going to go to a big a market. market. Yeah. I think that they're going to give up. So I don't think that they're going to go for what they did in Cleveland, where every year, aside from the Kevin Love trade, they traded for supporting cast members. I mean, you look back last year, they got you a George Hill, Rodney Hood, uh, a Larry Nance, and a Jordan Clarkson. Yep. Um, I, so I may be forgetting about somebody, but who cares because they're part of the supporting I was just, cast. I was just going to say, there's probably a reason you're forgetting about I them. I think they're going to try and get another star out there so that they can guarantee themselves that they don't lose out on free agency next year. So you just said draft picks. Does that mean like four future draft pick, first round draft picks, like the Rockets offer for Jimmy Butler? Ooh. We have not talked about this yet, That's sir. That's a hot segue. I let's, like that. Let's, 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 let's get into that. the pod with that. Hey, man, so, I'm in no rush. Let's just get into this. I want to <laughs> no, hear your yeah. take. Come on, GM Tom. Hit Absolutely. Me. So I, I think this was really interesting, and, and there's a reason why this, this was given to Woj, okay? And the reason being is because <laughs> the Rockets want this out there. Daryl Morey is no idiot. He wants that out there because he wants the owner saying, we got a, we got, he wants the owner getting on his phone off of his private jet saying, calling Tom Thibodeau saying, we got four fucking first round picks and you turn that down. Are you kidding me? Go and take that offer now or go and take the next best offer or else you're fired right now. Now, the reason why Tom Thibodeau turned down this pick and the reason why even if I was Tom Thibodeau, I turned down this pick is because he's basically a dead man walking. If Jimmy Butler's on the team, he's a dead man walking. If Jimmy Butler's off the team, He's a thousand percent. Yeah, what is he going to do with those four first round picks? Sick. Joe Schmo or whoever, whoever's next can go and make that. uh, I feel like I used Joe Schmo twice today because I think I called Eli Joe Schmo. So whoever used the stereotypical like ghost players name. Yeah, exactly. You're better than that. I know you are. John Doe. How about that? John Doe goes ahead and gets to make those picks. and, And I give up a guy who I've coached and who I love. Or do I get to go ahead and take my chances with Jimmy Butler where, yeah, this is a really toxic environment right now to the point where even during wins, um, you heard it on ESPN and everything, people are sprinting out of the locker room like they just lost game seven of the NBA finals and they don't want to talk to the media except for Jimmy Butler. Who's having a grand old time. Who just loves playing in this obscene chaos. Um, But you know what? He's probably got, I'll put it to you this way, he's probably got about, a 2% chance of making this work with Jimmy Butler, but he has a negative 10% chance of making this work if Jimmy Butler's not on this team. So unless you offer him a starting shooting guard that he can replace Jimmy Butler with and still make the playoffs or have a possibility of making the playoffs, another rotational player and probably two first-round draft picks, if he somehow does save his job, the trade's not getting done. And it's not getting done until the All-Star break when the owner calls him and says, you're fired, and then puts the next John Doe in there, and they get to make the pick. I'm tired of Joe Schmo and John Doe's. But, all right, so you hit on the point, right, where once Woj on there reporting this so that and he Woj can is never speak wrong, that. Ever. No, he's the 31st GM. He's gotten one, the 31st team. The 31st team, on, right. On that podcast with Simmons, but... The yeah, we have to give that credit. That was a Bill Simmons and uh, and Brian Windhorst podcast, and Brian Windhorst referred to Woj as the 31st organization in the NBA, Absolutely. which I thought was funny. And he has only been wrong like once in his career. Yeah, so you know exactly as that came up, on Friday the Miami Heat reengaged in talks for Jimmy Butler, and I just feel like at some point this has to happen because Pat Riley 
Don't you think it's driving him nuts that we're talking about Kevin Durant possibly going to the Knicks? We're talking about Damian Lillard possibly going to the Lakers. We're talking about uh, Durant. If he doesn't go to the Knicks, he's going to go to the Clippers. And you hear all about these other guys. Kawhi, where's he going? Kyrie, where's he going? And basically none of the names of the Miami Heat, which Pat Riley feels like he's always in the market for a top free agent. What better way to say, I'm still in the game, throw the rings down on the table, than by acquiring Jimmy Butler with some expiring contracts and and some okay players. It might take a third team to do it, I don't know, but I think that there was a reason why the Rockets floated that out there and made sure that that was reported. Remember, you can't trade them in consecutive years, thanks to my Nets, that's a rule now, but... um, Yes, thank you, Billy King. (laughs) Thanks, Billy King. Again, you screw me. Um, Every conversation leads back to that trade, doesn't it? Um, But at some point, right, you're going to have to move this guy. The owner is not going to stand for him being on the team that, at the best-case scenario, is probably an eight seed. So does Pat Riley say in an open Eastern Conference, I'm making this move and I'm going to, you know, do my best to keep him in South Beach for a while and and let him say, yeah, this is where I want to play and maybe recruit another guy or two and move some contracts. If anybody can do you have some, to do a lot of any, finessing. Hey, listen, if anybody can, can do, it. do it, it's Pat Riley, and he that's that's kind of my point. He cleared the decks back when uh, when in he 2011 got, when he got LeBron and Bosh. Ten, so. yeah, yep. ten, ten, yeah. Well, he cleared the decks in 2010, and then he got them in 11. So, yep, we've seen this before from the Miami Heat, and if there was one guy to do it. Because I don't think the Rockets really have any intention of getting him. I think what they want to do, though, is in a perfect situation, obviously they take him, and the and the and the, the cards would really have to fall to Daryl Morey and the Rockets for I this think to the happen. Rockets want him. Well, I think they want him, but I think what they really want to do, in, they're not going to be in the free agency sweepstakes next year, so no, they want to so get their free agent. I, now. I think they definitely want him. Don't get me wrong, and maybe I spoke to that a little too innocently, but I, I definitely believe that. The other intention that they have is to screw another organization and say, "Wow, look at what so and so gave up for Jimmy Butler," and and the, and they're okay. I mean, I think that's just being a smart GM. I mean, like you said, if Woj has it and he's reporting that, then now it's out there, and you know you have a guy who wants to be moved, who the owner is driven to have him moved, but. Thibodeau is between a rock and a hard place. You, like you said, he's he's damned if you do, damned if you don't with, with this guy. And he's loving the chaos, as you spoke to, which is another reason why I don't Jimmy really is, love yeah. him. Yeah, Jimmy is, yeah, which is why another reason why I don't I, – I, I've been really turned off by him during this process. And, and who knows what's going to happen, but four first-rounders, regardless of whether it's fabricated, whether it's ill-intentioned, whether it's really, you know, valid, I don't know, but that's well, nuts. I think, yeah, they just wanted to get the ball rolling and kind of force the owner's hand because they knew he wasn't going to take it because Tom Thibodeau doesn't give a shit if you offered him literally the entire franchise for the next 30 years first-rounders because you know what he's going to say? I'm not going to be coaching this team to draft no. a single one of them, like I nope. said, so... I mean, it doesn't really matter to him, and it was just a way to try and get the ball rolling and re-engage in trade talks without kind of begging or or whatever you want to call it. But it'll be interesting to see. I am going to hold firm with my prediction that I don't think Jimmy Butler's on this team post-All-Star break. I don't think he is. I mean, there can't be a way, right? The owner always wins out. 
Like he'll, he'll if, if oh the guy who gonna, can who signs exactly, your paychecks and can fire exactly. you. I would think so. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's the only in the, one in the in the Sean obvious statement of the day. The owner always wins. Yes. So if you want to if you want to make take this happen, it from, take it from a guy who roots for a team where your owner is James Dolan. The owner is always right, always wins, and he is the only constant in sports. Yeah. So then your prediction has to be accurate, right? Like how is he? How is he still on this team? Because what's their best case scenario, man? Playoff wise, seven, six, or seven. Okay, best so they get uh, to get waxed me, by the yeah, by it, the Rockets or Warriors. If you're asking me for their literal best case, like they have the best season ever that they can have, six seed, and that's if Wiggins makes an All Star team, Towns is first team All NBA. And Butler is first team All NBA, and they're also the best mans at each other's weddings, and they're best friends. Yeah, so none of those are going to happen. <laughs> no, um, and because of that, he will be off the team, and we're going to be following this closely. Isn't it cool, man? How we are two weeks into this, and the storylines just are budding still through the off season, or new ones are coming up. Speaking of new ones coming up, Ty Lue, he is now out in Cleveland. And there we are. LeBron James quick. did a really nice tweet to him saying, we'll always share something, blah, blah, blah. Ty Lue had no business being an NBA coach, and we know We'll it. always share something? What, did LeBron take his virginity or something? Uh, yeah, his uh, championship virginity. True. So. <laughs> True. That is that is a fact. But there, who cares? LeBron forced out David Blatt because he did a few things that LeBron didn't want to do, and Tyron Lue was like an analytical baseball manager. He did what he was told. And now Kevin Love is out for a bit, so six weeks. Yep. So that team is on its on a fast track to the first overall pick. And well, I again, I'm going to allude back to my podcast with Cody Wagner. He pointed out that they've had um, they've been in the lottery and in the running for the first overall pick a few times, and they I think they're it. four for four. Yeah, they get it, and they uh, made some good ones, except for Anthony Bennett. So, oh god, I don't Anthony think the Bennett. Cavs fans will be too upset if they get the number one overall pick again. You can't be, and why would you? Why would you really root for anything else in in this in this climate and on that with that roster? I mean, they were giving away I think two dollar tickets, ten dollar tickets. Yeah, the game tough. that they played the next. Well, when you go on to watch J.R. Smith play basketball, I mean, come on. Well, you never know what's going to happen. You might want to see it from a circus act, you know, just bring on the fucking bearded lady and the and the lion tamer. That's why but I would pay $2 to there see There you it. go. That's about as much as you're going to get. I thought that was an interesting move uh, to do it this quickly. You you said he was going to be one of the first coaches fired, and Nostradamus Tom had that accurate, and, and he was gone quick, fast, and in a hurry. He didn't I even sa- make it 10, season, 10 I, games in. I believe I said I would be sh- would be shocked if he didn't make it to the All-Star break. He didn't even make it six games. I think they fired him after an 0-6 start. So, so who's next? Hugh Jackson. Well, we got <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, he's gone too. <laughs> Cleveland, you're on fire, baby. Keep yeah, it up. Exactly. Okay. No, Hugh so Jackson who's, so who's next. next in the NBA? Um, Shit. Put me on the spot here. Thibodeau because the owner the says the you're NBA. not trading him and, and you're gone. Thibodeau, Thibodeau is a good one. Um, I, I'm trying to analyze the league and see who else is in trouble. I'm going to say Luke Walton. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy you said that because that's kind of where I was going to. Why don't we just follow that LeBron train across the country <laughs> yeah, and say exactly. that's, that's who's next, right? If, if that team doesn't pick up, because it's all up to LeBron. If LeBron says we could be playing better and we should be playing better and he tells his team that they should be playing better, 
And Luke Walton's like, well, okay, then whose fault is that? Uh, yours. And then Magic Johnson says, we just signed LeBron James. <laughs> yep. Sorry. Quickly follow a Luke Walton firing quickly followed with an acquisition of probably Damian Lillard, but an all-star caliber player. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I would be shocked if it's Jimmy Butler. Me too. I, I don't think LeBron wants to deal with that shit right now, to be honest with you. And Jimmy Butler also didn't list that as one of his uh, primary destinations. Let's finish it up with this. I kind of want to get this into a question with you because we've talked about this kind of superficially, but have never really gotten deep into it. We don't have to go too long, but do you think that people are a lot more weary of playing with LeBron James now than they have been in the past? Because don't you find it you interesting that watched, nobody you else must have watched him? SportsCenter with Scott Van Pelt I and didn't. Rosillo, I didn't, actually. That's what Ryan Rossillo said was that no, I've people been thinking don't about this. deal with that. I've been thinking about this for a little bit because well, I always... Kyrie, well, with the Kyrie it, trade, of Well, course. I always thought that Cleveland team should have had a better player than Kevin Love, like with LeBron. Okay. I, well, and no, actually, I think that Cleveland team should have had a better version of Kevin, Kevin Love. Love. That's fair. If you remember Kevin Love with Minnesota, the dude was like a walking double double. Well, it's even even so, he was like not just a walking double double. He was twenty seven and fourteen. Yeah. Every, it wasn't like it was ten and ten. This dude was getting thirty and fifteen rebounds. He was putting up Anthony Davis numbers when Anthony Davis was at Kentucky. Yeah. So. I wish I could say that I watch SportsCenter, but I, as you know, I'm way too way too old, and I fall asleep way True. before than that. You're like a you're 90 but, year old man. Oh, dude! I tell you what, 10 o'clock is late fall for me. Fall asleep with that glass of bourbon <laughs> in your hand. <laughs> well, let's After get Alabama wins, but no, um, definitely. So my, it's just something I thought about. I mean, Kyrie got his ring, and he's, he could have built a legacy with LeBron in Cleveland, and he's like, now nah, I want to leave. And I found it really weird that in the summer, because LeBron signed early, and we thought you well, you said it mostly. Yeah, he's gonna drag this into the into the summer and sign somewhere in mid July. I think he signed early to try he and get signed, some of these guys. But that's out what there. I'm saying. Yeah, and nobody really followed. And you got this weird cast of characters of Lakers signed JaVale McGee, Lakers signed Rajon Rondo, Lakers signed Lance Stevenson. It's like, huh, huh. Who? It's like yeah. where? Where's the next guy? Like where's his? Where's his next? You know, buddy, who's who's gonna turn this? Because you know he doesn't love playing with young players or developing young players. Is Lonzo Ball or Brandon Ingram any better than what Andrew Wiggins could have been when he was drafted? So no, and he had them trade him before he even practiced. Before with he him. even practiced with him. So, yeah, so. I, something has to be going on. I, I gotta believe that if I some of these stars are are looking at not wanting to not listing the Lakers is it that they just want to build their own and they look at him as kind of toxic or I don't know. What do you think? I don't think think they want to build their own because that's not the NBA anymore. I mean, come on super teams. It's all over the place. And these guys want to play with each other and have a good time. I just think that they don't want to deal with the LeBron circus. There's so much pressure when it comes to playing with LeBron. First of all, I mean, Kevin Love openly spoke about how much mental and emotional issues he had since joining the Cavs. I didn't hear that. And he said it was all worth it because he won a championship. And he also said, this was in a Windhorse interview, that it was worth it because I knew that LeBron was going to get us there. LeBron was going to take us to the promised land and give us a chance to win an NBA championship every single time. So it was worth all that pressure. But nonetheless... He acknowledged that pressure that was there. And I think with LeBron, I mean, he says it himself. That's like his logo. It's more than basketball. With LeBron, 
it is more than basketball. You're dealing with one of the best. Him and Cristiano Ronaldo pretty much transcend every celebrity in the world, period. They're not only the two most popular athletes in the world, but they're like the two most popular people in the world. Right. I mean, unfortunately, I guess you would put Trump up there. Ugh. Very unfortunately. And maybe like George Clooney or something like that. I don't know. Can you think of a, uh, of a female to put up there? I think Serena transcends. If you're going to look from an athletic yeah. standpoint, she probably does. I would say so too. But back to my point, I just think it's so much more than just going out there and playing basketball with him. And people just don't want to deal with the pressure. Now, there's so many sports going on right now that I, I haven't really been able to hone in on the NBA. But I know people that are true NBA fans are watching every second of the Lakers right now. And... You know, if they go on a slide and they start their season, their first 25 games of the season, 10 and 15, the panic button, talk about earlier in the year when we were slamming the panic button with the Yankees, they're going to break the panic button. Oh, this is code red. Yeah. (laughs) They're burning L.A. to the ground. There's an earthquake in L.A. Like, yeah. Exactly. Uh, A five on the Richter scale. Yeah. Exactly. And and that's all because of one guy. It's because of LeBron. Right. And you've never seen this before. Well, that's why. You never, you don't see this with, uh, although Kevin Durant plays for the Warriors, so you don't really, they don't lose. I mean, for real. But you don't see this with any other player where it is literally a traveling circus. You haven't seen it since Jordan and the Bulls, and those guys never lost. So well, that's why there's I, no panic button to be pushed. You, dude, you just hit the nail on the head. because, And I'm so happy you said that, even though I kind of knew that was what your answer was going to be. I never really bought what LeBron said when he went there. Because it was the same shit that he said in Cleveland, which is, listen, I'm not expecting to win this year. I'm not. It's not. It's none of that when he went to Miami. Not one. Not two. Not three. But he completely but contradicts himself because this is a guy does. who models himself after Michael Jordan, who right. has six so championships. He, he says and it to set himself up and invite guys to be there. Well, and then when it when it yeah. goes wrong to maybe that ten and fifteen slide, he's setting up both sides of the field. Exactly. Right now. So then he's saying so he wins either way. All right. Well, we he could spin the narrative of well we are better than i thought and yes when i got here i thought it was going to be a process but we're better and we should be playing better and we need to shake things up yeah so i can understand that being very taxing on young players if they lose in the second round join them if they lose if they win a championship this year he would say of course i expected it to i'm chasing michael jordan i'm chasing the greatest ever or if they lose in the second round this year he can say I am the greatest player ever, but I knew this was going to be a process and it wasn't going to be easy and next year is going to be our year. He set himself up both sides of the field, so I guess even LeBron had a feeling that they weren't going to go out and get Jimmy Butler or or whoever else it may be. Yeah, it, it was just weird to me, and it was something that I honestly hadn't heard from other publications. As you know, I always give other publications, podcasts, yeah, you do. radio their due. You know, I, I think that that's what makes podcasting and, and and even sports radio, whatever, blogging awesome is there's so many different forums to gain information from. We're not plugged in with the insiders. Some of the pros are. One day we will be. But, For sure. um, but till then, you know, like that was just something that had kind of been going on in my head. I'm like, I still don't get why this is his roster. And it might not be how he finishes, but it's how it is now. However, this is where we will finish. I think we're good for the night. Yeah. Hour um, 15 in, we're good. We got NFL Wednesday. We're yes. going to break down. To everybody listening, no, we will not go into 25 minutes about the New York Giants. I've had my say. 
Uh, I've had we'll my misery. The game, but we we'll won't. talk about the game. We'll yeah. talk about again how I'm right about this whole situation. Yeah, I'm glad I got an opportunity to clear up what I said about Eli. No doubt, man. Um, and then we got to touch upon everything else. This was a really fun week of NFL. Big sports, big sports news week when it comes to the NFL. We're gonna look deeper into the Hugh Jackson firing. And the last thing I will mention is that we are gonna go. I'm gonna do. A, I'm going to get my computer out. I'm going to do a deep dive on this Le'Veon Bell thing. I'm going to get all the details about it. Okay, so the pressure is on, Tom. Yes. Everybody, capologist, get your notebook out. GM Tom's back. It, GM Tom is now going from NBA Monday to NFL Wednesday. <laughs> we look forward to hearing or having you guys with us, and we hope you're looking forward to hearing us, and we will be back with you in about 48 hours. All right, guys, enjoy this pod. Hope you did, and have a good night. night.